City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You are listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network. On this episode of The Stinger, I am joined by Sean Heikin, founder and author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter and podcast covering the Portland Trailblazers. Sean, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, James. Good to be here. Absolutely. And for, for those who listened on our last episode, we had Jeremy Brenner on. We talked a little bit about the Houston Rockets, their current situation, what the trade landscape might look like with Charlotte and Houston. And we're going to do a similar thing with Sean on this episode. And obviously Portland hold the number three pick right behind Charlotte. A lot of interest into what both Charlotte and Portland are going to do to the draft with their kind of already having locked in point guards, really. But the first question I have for you, Sean, is what is Portland's current headspace around competing, rebuilding, Dame? Because from you know, we hear a lot of stuff in national media thrown around. And you know, someone like yourself, you're really locked in. You follow the team probably closer than anyone. How would you describe the current situation, just to give Charlotte fans an idea of what Portland are going through in terms of thought process? Well, everybody is in lockstep from what I've heard and what they're what everybody said publicly, what I've heard privately. Dame, I have not heard anything to suggest that he wants to leave. I don't think they would trade him unless he asked for it. And their their plan as of right now is they you know they're going to continue building around him and trying to compete right now while he's still at the level that he's at. Now, with that being said, they're in kind of an interesting position with this third pick because as soon as 
they moved up from five to three. And I was actually in the room when they drew the lottery balls. I was one of the media oh, members. Wow. It was actually it was crew. It was a whole yeah, it was a whole thing where they they took away our our phones and so I you know, from that moment that they moved up to three, kind of the thought has been given, you know, that they have said that their whole plan is to keep building around Dame and Dame said at his exit interview that he's not really interested in there being uh, you know, another nineteen year old coming in that has to develop because he wants to win now. The thought had been, oh, they're just going to, they're clearly going to trade the pig. This is obviously what's going to happen. That has kind of cooled off in recent weeks. Like, they're absolutely going through the due diligence of all the, you know, they're in the middle of, uh, you know, draft prospect workouts. They brought in uh, Scoot Henderson over the weekend. They brought in. <laughs> they brought it. They brought in Amen and Asar Thompson, the twins from Overtime Elite, earlier you know, last week. They brought them in. Uh, they haven't brought Brandon Miller in yet. I would imagine that's going to happen at some point between now and the draft. But they're going through the process and they're putting out the message right now. I don't know. I mean, obviously, everything that comes out right now from any side about what, you know, we're, we're two and a half weeks out from the draft when we're recording this, I'm sure anything that comes out is posturing. But. I think they value this pick really highly. And you have to also keep in mind that a year ago, even after they traded for Jeremy Grant, there was pretty much an assumption around the league that they were going to just go all in and they were going to trade the number seven overall pick. And they had pretty serious discussions with Toronto about OG Ananobi. And, you know, that was something that they talked about doing and, you know, entertained the idea of doing. But ultimately, they decided that the better play with that pick was to keep the pick and take Shaden Sharp, who was very, you know, unknown as a prospect and very raw, but had a lot of upside. And they decided that that was the way to go. So I think if the right deal presented itself, they are still, they would still be open to moving the pick for some win now help. I don't know if there's very many guys that could be available that really fit that description. So I think they, as of right now, every sense that I've gotten is that they're pretty comfortable just keeping the pick and taking the best player available at three, whatever happens. Yeah, and it's important to point out, for those who might not know, that Mike Schmidt's former Eastern yes. draft analyst, yeah. he's the assistant gem of the Portland Trailblazers. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I mean, you might have spoken to Mike, but, you know, from following his work for years when he was making the Draft Express videos yeah. back in the day, I know, yeah, Mike. So, I haven't really talked to him recently, in you know, course, since, yeah. since the lottery. I, 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 I do, I do know Mike, though. Yeah, like he will be someone who I guess will see the value of building through the draft. I mean, that's what he was brought up into the basketball NBA world, looking at that way, right? For years, having to look at prospects, and um, it, you know, it's interesting that took Shane Sharp, an unknown to a lot of people, probably Mike Schmitz is one of the people who saw him as much as that. Yeah, absolutely, cool. absolutely. Like Mike has seen. All of these guys, and you know, even even way further down the depth chart, this kid Ibu Baji, who was one of the Blazers' two-way yep. guys, uh, this kid out of Senegal, uh, he was the one that was really on the circuit on those basketball without borders uh, camps, and you know, in all those international like under sixteen international tournaments. Like Mike is the guy that's you know on all of this stuff now. I would argue you don't necessarily hire Mike Schmitz in your front office to tell you to make the third pick in the draft. You hire Mike Schmitz to make the 23rd pick or the 43rd pick, which are the other two picks that they have. And, you know, they have a G League roster to fill out and they have, you know, two-way contracts to sign. Like, 
that's where somebody like Mike Schmitz is really going to shine is finding the guys that are kind of under the radar. You don't need Mike Schmitz to tell you that Scoot Henderson is probably the most talented player in the draft besides Victor Wembanyama. But with that said, you know, what we've seen, and this is a pretty limited sample size still for how this front office uh, approaches things because Joe Cronin has only been on the job. He, he, he took over for Neil Olshay in December of 21. So he's had two trade deadlines, one draft, and one free agency process. What I think we've seen so far, at least when it comes to the draft, is they are going to go for the highest upside option possible. They could have traded, you know, if they'd really wanted to just go all in on winning now, they could have traded that pick plus other stuff for OG Ananobi last year. And honestly, even at that number seven pick, once they decided to keep it, there were some in the front office that really liked Dyson Daniels because he was more of a plug and play, you know, ready to contribute right now. But what they ultimately did was take Shaden Sharp, who was the biggest home run swing on the board. I, I think that, you know, especially if Scoot Henderson is there. And like, I mean, you and I, are, I'm sure are going to get to this, but the rumor right now from everything I've heard and everything everybody I've talked to is that Charlotte might really, and again, this could just be posturing, but the rumor right now is that Charlotte really likes Brandon Miller at two. So if that were to happen and the consensus second best player in the draft is on the board at three, either you can have a bidding war for the pick because a lot of teams are going to want Scoot Henderson or you can just say, we got a guy, you know, you know, even though he plays the same position as Dame and the timelines don't really match up, uh, we got a guy that would be the number one pick in most drafts that don't have Victor Wembanyama in it. We're in good shape. I, 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 could, I could really see it going either way, depending on what presents itself to them as far as trade options and, you know, what, what might be out there yeah. on draft night. And I really do think it's going to come down to, while they're on the clock with the third pick, they're going to make a decision about what to do because... I'm sure there are some teams that they're talking to that want to trade for the pick if Brandon Miller is there, but aren't as interested in Scoot Henderson or want Scoot Henderson, but don't want Brandon Miller. And so there might be some trade possibilities that are only there if one of those guys is there. And so I'm sure they have all sorts of contingencies that they're talking about with different teams right now. And the, the interesting thing you talked about there is you talked about either moving the, the pick for a player. Or, or or sitting there and taking the pick. I think what some Hornets fans have got this this idea in their mind that well, actually, if Portland fall in love with either of either Scoot or Brandon Miller, and they don't know which one Charlotte's going to take, they might trade something to move up to two, and then Charlotte can still get the guy that they really want at three, and they get an asset or something, you know, moving up later in uh, earlier in the first round uh, with with the other Portland pick or, or something of that nature. I think that's what like I've seen discussed around the fan base but from what you described there it seems to be either move the pick for an impact star which i don't think charlotte would probably be able to offer portland anyone on their roster even you know apart from the mellow ball which will just be a non-stop even Lamelo is just kind of a weird fit with team well, too I, I which i understand absolutely um at all like and i you never mentioned about moving up there so you think that that's a pretty unlikely scenario that portland would be aggressive to try and move up if you know if they fell in love with Scoot or Brandon to to try and move up to two to Charlotte. I wouldn't absolutely a hundred percent rule every anything out, but if you're asking me to rank the possibilities of like mm-hmm. what could happen, I would put trading something to Charlotte to move up one spot. I would put that as the last possibility. I don't think that's something you really are gonna look at doing because. The thing is, they still have, like, let's say they were to, you know, 
you know, the, you know, the extreme scenario, let's say they decide, you know what we are going to, and this is, again, this is not something that I've heard is something that they're thinking about doing, but let's say they decide, you know, we're going to just completely blow it up and trade Dame and get a bunch of assets and rebuild. Why are you then going to give up some kind of asset, like a pick or a young player that you could then use in that rebuild to move up one spot? When, if you're going to do that, you would be happy to take either Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller and you know start over with them, depending on who is there at three. Now, I don't know the thing. The, the The thing that I don't know as of right now is which of those two they value higher. I you know I know there are some people. You know, I've talked to some people in the organization that really like Scoot, but I've also heard that there are some people that like Miller. Like I said, they brought Scoot in for a workout a few days ago. They haven't brought Miller in yet, and you know so. A lot of this stuff comes down to yeah. the workout. So I can't really sit here right now and say if they could have either one of these two guys, this is the one they would pick or this is the one they would be less interested in because I just don't know that yet. And we probably won't know that. A, 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 we won't know that until they bring Miller in for a workout and they've actually seen both of them up close. And B, like, what interest do they have in telling me or any other reporter who they actually want or who they actually like? Because... That getting out there hurts because, you know, if Charlotte hears that they really like Scoot Henderson, they can start putting it out there. Oh, you know, we're really interested in Scoot Henderson. We can like you want you, you the, the, this kind of stuff is, is you know, it's it's all, it's all kind of posturing at this point, which is why I'm really interested, actually, to see what Charlotte ends up doing it, too, because everything that I've heard from the moment that, you know, in that lottery room that Charlotte moved up to two, anybody else probably that was in position to move up to two it's pretty cut and dried, you know, Victor Wembanyama is going one, Scoot Henderson is going two. But everything I heard, and I was in Chicago that whole week for the Combine and talked to a bunch of folks around the league, everybody seems to think there's a real chance that Charlotte likes Miller more because he's a better fit with LaMelo. Now, me personally, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this as somebody who follows the Hornets more closely than I do, but just me looking at it as an outsider, the Hornets might have the worst collection and base of talent in the entire NBA. I don't think they're really in a position to be not taking the what most people think is the better prospect because of his fit with another guy. I feel like if you're the Hornets and you think Scoot is clearly the second best player on the board besides Wembenyama, you take the best player available and then you worry about the fit stuff with LaMelo later. Like that that's what I that in my personal view when you're the Hornets like when you're a team like Portland or you know if you if you if you're a team that has most of you know a lot of the other pieces of the roster filled out you can be a little bit more picky and like not take somebody because they play a certain position or you already had your there's some overlap here when you're a team like Charlotte you really don't have anything outside of LaMelo so you need to just take the most talented player you can get and then figure out the fit stuff from there so philosophically I, I agree with that and if, if I was you know in your position to flip around I'd be saying the exact same thing into you you're a you're a 20-something win team. What are you doing thinking about fit? I'm going to put my Mitch Kupchak gym hat on. And I'm going to... Well, here's the other thing about it, though. Like, how much of this... And, and you might know more about this than I do because you probably know more about the front office dynamics and, like, who's who's calling what shots. Who does Mitch Kupchak like? Who does Michael Jordan like? Are those the same pe- person? Who's overruling who? Who's going to actually have the final say? Like, there's all these rumors out there right now that Jordan might be trying to sell his shares at some point, but I also heard that he might have been waiting to see how the lottery shook out before making a decision, and now that they moved up to two, maybe he's not as much in as much of a hurry to do that, so 
I don't know how much like alignment there is. Like maybe maybe Kupchak really likes Scoot and Jordan really likes Miller and vice versa. And, you know, one of them is going to end up overruling the other. I know that's happened with that organization before. I know that uh, Steve Clifford, when he was in Charlotte before, I'm pretty sure I had this timeline right. But I know that Steve Clifford was like screaming for them to draft Donovan Mitchell. And... Yeah, I'm Devin Booker. He did talk. Yeah. Sure, yeah, like, there's there's not a whole lot of, like, it's not, this isn't an organ, like, there are some organizations like, you know, Toronto, Oklahoma City, some of these other ones in the lottery, you pretty much know that, like, the coach and the GM and the owner are going to be fully on the same page about who they want and who they like. I don't think Charlotte is really one of those. So even, you know, you can sit here and say, you know, you and I have probably both heard the same stuff, which is that, you know, if I had to guess who they end up taking it to, I would probably lean towards Miller at this point, just based on what I've heard. But I don't know. We don't know what they're going to actually do until the draft. Like, this stuff is, it's so hard to figure this stuff out from, from you know, you know this far out. We're still two and a half weeks away from the draft. So, re- regarding the selection, uh, this offseason, the current Hornets front office and ownership will be in place until, until the, up to the draft. That is almost confirmed at this point. So, it will be the current front office making the picks unless something major changes. And Jordan is involved in the decision-making process on draft picks. Um, who has final say? Like, I, I don't think it necessarily, like, he will obviously have input. Um, there's been previous examples, like, going all the way back to the Kemba Walker draft. He basically said, either Kemba Walker, Rich Cholith, Bismarck, Biombo, what did they do? Make a trade and they select one of each. So, like, both ended up getting everyone, both of them. everyone was happy. That was kind of, like, their approach to it. So, I don't think it's always, like, one overrules the other. There is an element of, like, they... But he is part of the conversation, and he is a key voice. Um, the, you talked about having the least talented roster in the NBA. I can understand having that view. Um, the argument that Mitch Kupchuk would make is, well, actually, we won 43 wins the year before when we had Miles Bridges, who we missed for the entire last season. Right. Say what you uh, off-court, I, I completely get it. But just They're going to bring it back, right? Yes. Yes, that is exactly part of the plan. They're going to bring it. Miles Bridges is posting an Instagram in his Hornets workout right, here right. every week now. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. Um, they're going to bring him back. They had torrid injuries last year with the Mallet Ball. They believe that they are, that last year was not a representation of where they are. They think they're a, 40, a 40-ish win team, um, which going back to what you said there is, oh, you think you've got some foundations in place. This team does think they have foundations in place. Now, I'm not here to tell you that that's right or wrong. And <laughs> but that's what the team feel and they think and that's like Mitch Kupchuk even said straight after the draft lottery in his read availability oh, I remember this yeah yeah he said uh, we think we're in a position where you know we've got more talent on the roster now we can make more we can take fit more into account which is a bizarre thing to say in the world of NBA leverage right after you move up to the number two pick um, I and I think it's like a lot of people said so that was so purposeful and he kind of like went there and announced it that he didn't need to. He could have just given the media train answer. He didn't. He actually like went to the question, is he trying to throw some like smoke out there, right? In terms of what they're trying to do. And this is the the Charlotte Horn is controlled draft, don't they? Like, like everyone knows what's happening at one. Then everyone is curious about what's happening at two. So I do wonder like this whole Miller at two, that's the talk, that's what everyone else is speculating. I'm yet to see a really reliable report from inside the Charlotte front office that says we, the Charlotte Hornets, really like Brandon Miller. It seems to be a lot of speculation from around other GMs, other front offices and scouts. Um, I think it is still very much up in the air. I don't think they have decided yet. 
I think they're still in their decision-making process. Um, but I, I want to talk about Scoot because you spoke to him at the Portland workout. Yeah. Um, it'll be great to see. He's going to be coming to Charlotte soon. It'll be great to just get some of your impressions from the very brief time you got to to speak with him, um, the impression that you felt he made. I mean, I'm not sure no one's going to say it was bad, but, you know, just yeah, that's the thing. I've covered enough of these workouts that you're never going to, you know, first of all, media doesn't get to watch the actual workouts. Yeah. We, you know, we I only saw the highlight package that the team posted on social media, where, of course, they're only going to post the stuff that makes the guy look good. They're not going to yeah. post, like, all you know, all the stuff that they messed up. And, you know, when you ask one of these kids uh, at their media session, how did the workout go? None of the teams are good. None of the players are going to say, oh, you know, I thought I was terrible. Like, I, I hope I don't get drafted by this team. Like, that's not, that's just never how they go. So you can only take too, oh, so much from that. I will say that it, maybe this is because Scoot didn't, instead of going to college, he spent two years in the G League in a professional environment and kind of learned how to be a pro. I was really impressed with him just from a media standpoint and the yeah. way that he carries himself standpoint. You know, he he had a ton of confidence. He had, you know, a few quotes. One of them was like, every every team wants a guy like me. And like he said, you know, he, he talked about like, he thinks he and Dame can compliment each other because like he's faster than Dame because he has younger legs. Like he, he has like, he kind of comes in. He has that confidence. Like he's like, I'm a great leader. I like, he comes in like I, I think whoever drafts him, whether it's Charlotte or Portland or if somebody trades up into one of those two spots to take him, whoever brings him in, I think just based on like my brief interaction with him and what you know I've read about him and heard about him from people who have watched him more than I have, I think some team is going to be very happy with him as potentially the new face of a franchise. Hmm. I mean, I watched the Chicago Draft Combine interview and I watched other interviews. If there was a draft for, like, who gives the best media interview, I'm pretty sure Scoot would go number one. Oh, 100%. I actually, that's kind of the uh, the rubric that I've been using for, you know, preparing for, like, what Portland might do with their lower picks. Like, they have, because they have the 23rd pick and the, and the uh, 43rd pick. And I've started like I I will fully admit I'm not a I don't really watch college basketball so I'm not like the biggest draft expert in the world I'm not the person to go to for actual opinions on like who I like and don't like in the draft like I can tell you who the number one pick in this draft is going to be I have a pretty good idea of who two and three are going to be but other than that I can just kind of base what I only base my opinions just on like these media sessions and who I would like to talk to every day as a beat writer and so from that standpoint like I like uh I like Andre Jackson out of UConn with the 23rd pick and I like City Cisco who's from the G League Ignite actually played with Scoot Henderson yeah. at the 43rd pick but it's entirely but it's like what you're saying it's entirely based on media interviews but yes yeah, Scoot Henderson absolutely crushed that part of it I'm very interested to see what happens when they bring Brandon Miller in at some point in the next couple of weeks and how that goes yeah, and Brandon Miller is also due to be in Charlotte. From what I understand, that Scoot is only working out for Charlotte and Portland. Yeah, which, by the way, I tweeted that out, and a bunch of Rockets fans, like I try not, I try not to look too much at my mentions, just because you get so much stuff, especially this time of year, you get so much stuff coming at you. Yeah. But I saw so many Rockets fans being like, "Man, that's so disrespectful." That you know, there are where it's like. If you know you're going to go top three, why would you work out for any team that isn't picking in the top three? Like, if, you know, and, and conversely, like the Blazers have brought in both of the twins, uh, Amanda Sar Thompson. 
I don't think they're going to take either one of them at three, but they still want to get a look at them. And I'm sure their agent was happy to have them come in for workouts because then when you say, oh, the team with the number three pick is looking at these guys, maybe that means teams are really high on them and other teams should think about drafting them higher too. This is all a leverage play. But yeah, I mean, if you're Scoot Henderson, like, I don't even think anybody's going to waste anybody's time going to San Antonio because there's no chance that they go anywhere besides Wembenyama for number one. But if you're Scoot, why would you work out for teams besides the teams with the second and third picks if you know that you're going to go top three? It's just a waste of everybody's time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you don't want to be flying across country if you don't have to, right? Totally. And, you know, he knows where he's going to be going. It's what one of these two places. He might not know exactly which yet, but he knows it's going to be one of the two. Um. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm curious, to, to if Portland did move the pick, mm. we're not to Charlotte here, but we're talking just wide around the edge. That also could impact Charlotte as well, because you, you imagine whatever team, like you said earlier, is, is looking to trade with Portland, they've got a player in mind. They're, mm-hmm. they're either wanting Scoot or Brandon Miller, and they're not going to be wanting to make that move unless they know who they're going to get. So it'll be interesting if it like leaks out before draft night, if Charlotte knows who they're going to pick. I doubt it will, just because Charlotte have... We've never gone into draft night with a, a report of, like, Charlotte are going to take this player, and it's pretty much done. It's, it just never happened. Um, so it, it'll be very interesting to see, like you said, it might have to be on draft night that happens. Um, and there's... I tried to get creative and think of all these, like, three-way trades. It was like, Portland trade out, and then someone else moved to two, and then Charlotte moved back to three. It just gets really complicated. Yeah. I'm not going to try and bend my head around that. But that is always a possibility as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a, which teams do you think have you looked at or that on paper make the most sense to maybe discuss sort of moving that number three pick? There was a lot of buzz about Boston recently, obviously with Jalen Brown. Is the, that, that, would one be one. that would be one. I don't, I mean, I think that just depends on if Boston wants to pay him that full super max. If they yeah. don't, then they pretty much have to trade him. And I think that's somebody that, Portland would be interested in. I think he fits the type of like the type of guy that they want to put around Dame. I think the 
you know, best case scenario, if, you know, and I think, you know, speaking of things that are leaking out now, as far as leverage stuff that I'm not sure how much I actually buy this idea that Brooklyn is absolutely not interested at all in trading Mikhail Bridges for three and Cy and Anthony Simons. Like, I don't know how much I think that's like a completely dead issue. And I think that- How do you know that move personally for Brooklyn? My opinion doesn't matter. There's only one person whose opinion matters and that's his first choice. So, mm. I mean, that would be the- that would be the the I think I think that would be and again this is this is also just going to show like how highly you know the Blazers value this pick I don't even think it could be three and Simon straight across for Bridges I think Portland would feel like they need something more back too whether that's like an extra future pick or like Dorian Finney-Smith or something like that like it's a whole this is why there's all this like you know this this stuff is not going to get done until the night of the draft but I would say that like that type of player, like when I was in Chicago and I used to cover the Bulls for a number of years, so I used to live there and I still know a lot of people there. I had a lot of people in Chicago ask me about like, oh, do you think they would be interested in Zach Levine for the third pick? And like that is, uh, to me, that's absolutely not the kind of thing that they would be interested in doing or like, you know, some of the names that you see thrown out there. I think I think that's the type of, basically they're going to re-sign Jeremy Grant, but they kind of have figured out they need more Jeremy Grants. Like they need more big athletic wings that can defend. So you're telling me you don't want Gordon Hayward? Are you sure? I mean, he's really good for 30 games. He's healthy. I mean, I don't think they would be against having Gordon Hayward if they could somehow get him just for free. I don't think they're giving up the third. That's not something they're... You, you know You know what I'm saying? Like, like I think you're, talk, I think you're talking about like a Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brown, maybe Pascal Siakam, but even then, that's kind of a weird fit with Jeremy Grant. So like... That the, those are that's kind of if they're going to move the pick, I think that's kind of the the areas that they're looking in. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And the, as I mentioned earlier, obviously it was only Jacob and Gordon Hayward, but right. I, I didn't think Charlotte have anything of that level of package to which which could you know be competitive in that field. Um. Okay, before we get out of here, Sean, I, I do have to throw one little proposed trade at you. Here. Okay, and, um, I have to come up with what, and you can happily disregard it very quickly. Let's say that Portland did have a preference between Scoot and Brandon, and they just didn't know what Charlotte were going to do. Okay, it's draft night. They they don't know. They know they want one or the other. What if, for example, Portland could just move up to two, and all they have to do is give Charlotte a second round pick, and they would swap late first rounders. So Portland would receive the twenty seventh pick. Charlotte would receive, I think it's the 24th pick in this year's draft, or the 23rd. 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 So essentially, Charlotte move up four spots in the draft this year, like earlier in the first round, and they get a second round pick. And that way, just then Portland know who they're going to get. Like, And maybe, I'm, I'm just thinking here, like if Charlotte, they know that Portland will scoop, and they can just leverage that, because Mitch Kupchak has a bit of a track record for this. There was a Miles Bridges, Shea Gilgis Alexander trade. Granted, it didn't work out great. Yeah, maybe that's one they'd like over again for a, yeah. for a variety of reasons, not just the basketball. I'm, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just right. talking about, you know, the, the process the team have gone through where it's like, well, if we can move back a spot and pick up extra assets, then mm -hmm. why wouldn't we do it when we can still get the guy that we want? Um, do you think that would make any sense at all if, if, if it's just Portland could lock in exactly who they wanted to get? I don't think they would do that. To, to draft one of them and keep them. I think the only way that that would make sense for them is if they have the absolute perfect offer on the table from another team 
but that only but that team only wants Scoot or that team only wants Miller and they have to ensure that they get that guy so that they can do this other thing. I don't think they're going to give up assets to move up one spot to draft somebody and keep them because I think and this is just, you know, my feel right now and again they haven't worked out Brandon Miller yet here so I don't know when you know I don't know when that's going to happen I know it's going to happen at some point so I don't know you know which one they prefer over the other but I think if they decide to keep the pick they would be happy with either one of them so I don't think they are going to necessarily move up in order to draft one of them to keep but if let's say you know just to use my previous example let's say that Brooklyn you know is willing to trade them Mikhail Bridges for the pick, but only if they can get Scoot Henderson or only, like then, and they have to be, you know, a hundred percent sure that they can get Scoot with that pick. Then I think that then there might be a, a chance that that would be something they would be open to looking at. But even, but, but, but even then, like, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's even really something they would really seriously entertain. No, it's a great point. And it's not something I'd necessarily thought of. Um, I mean, ju- just you talked about building through the draft earlier. I, I think this is another thing for our listeners. With the new CBA coming in, you talk about one of the reasons maybe to like really value a, a high pick like number two and number three over uh, Jalen Brown or someone else. The new CBA is really going to in- incentivize you to build through the draft. Yeah, you need um, cost-controlled guys. That's why. That's why also like somebody we didn't even bring up, but I would you know I assume this kind of goes without saying, but I. Short of like Joel Embiid becoming available or something like that, I don't think Shaden Sharp is somebody that they're interested in moving yeah. in any way, shape, or form. For that same reason, he's under a rookie contract for three more years. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for the next couple of seasons, as that hits, those if you've already got those players and you already got those draft picks, they become even more valuable in this little honeymoon period, mm-hmm. right? As as we transition to that new CBA. So, yeah. okay. Well, sure. I don't think I have anything else left to ask you there i think that was a really a really interesting discussion mm-hmm. um really appreciate your time for your views on the poor situation i think great times for both franchises it's right? gonna be real and inter- i mean it's certainly not the worst like i said if i was charlotte just take scoot and figure out the fit with Lamelo later and then like if you have to trade Lamelo at some point you can probably get a lot of, like i i i don't know i sure all these bands are gonna revolt if they don't take scoot the, the, i know like, this is 90 10 split i don't know what the portland what's the portland fan base split in terms of like demand oh god that's a whole that's a whole thing because then that gets into people who want them to take scoot and trade dame and then there are some people yes. who want like that's a that's that's a whole thing that was I, a simple question one thing, one thing I will tell you, as as somebody who does talk to you know the people that actually make these decisions, what the fans want on Twitter and fake trades that fans propose does not factor into anybody's decision making as far as these actual decisions. Like, they are not. I mean, that shouldn't shock anyone. But I know, <laughs> but I know, but I've I even even like I see stuff that like that like Hornets fans are are you know going to revolt if they don't take Scoot. Okay, well, maybe maybe that that may be the case, but I think that you know I don't think that that's factoring. I mean, maybe in some cases, maybe it is. Like I have heard of, uh, like for example, like like Robert Sarver really pushed for DeAndre Ayton uh, to be the number one pick because he's a U of A booster and and yep. Ayton played at U of A. Like there are times when they factor in stuff like that, but I don't think most of these teams are looking at, well, you know, a certain percentage of our fan base on Twitter really wants this guy, so we should just go ahead and take this guy. They're gonna, they have their own, you know, internal process for scouting and vetting all this stuff, and 
you know, certainly the whole situation with Brandon Miller, which I'm still in the process of, you know, looking into and don't know how comfortable I am talking about it publicly yet. But the the incident with the with the gun in uh, Tuscaloosa where the woman was killed, that he wasn't charged with anything. But that's still something that, you know, teams are going to have to vet out and he's going to have to explain that when he meets with teams and in interviews. And that's going to be another thing that has to get factored in here. So it's going to be real interesting how all this stuff ends up shaking out. No, it, it absolutely is. Um, and the draft process is a fascinating yeah. content every single year. You learn something every single year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Portland do. You, you think both like the Charlotte fan base should just be happy to move up to two, where now they're just fraught with fear of being made to look stupid. It's really just, it's it so comes from a place of insecurity. It's so, it's so funny how like, I, like outside, like obviously, you know, San Antonio, you know, they, they, they're set for the next 15 years with Victor Wimp and Yama, but everybody, like, it's, it's, it's so, it's so funny. Cause I was in the draft. I was, like I said, I was in the lottery room when they drew out the names. I knew the results of the lottery, like an hour before the whole world did. And we were just like, uh, you know, we were able to just like talk amongst ourselves without our phones with, you know, the people from the different teams that were in there. And, a GM of a different team who I know I was talking to after the results came in and we were just kind of there hanging out for an hour without our phones. And I asked this person, you know, theoretically how valuable is the third pick around the league as a trade piece? And he goes a hell of a lot more valuable than the fourth pick. So like they move. I mean, obviously the thing you, you know, and Sergey Oliva, who's the Blazers assistant general manager that was in the room was in a pretty good mood after they moved up because they had the fifth lottery odds and, you know, they, and they moved up to three. So, you know, even though, even though they didn't get Victor Wembanyama, like that is not the worst place in the world to be. And I mean, certainly for the Hornets too, like I said, I know they may view themselves as a more talented team than other people view them as, but the Hornets need to add more talented players and moving up to two in this draft is again not the just like with portland it's not the worst place in the world for them to be and and if they don't fit perfectly with each other right look at Darren fox and Tyrese halliburton yeah. okay, they, they were both really good on the same team and then eventually they traded halliburton for uh for for demontis sabonis and now they're a playoff team like i exactly. i don't and, and both players are better off right both are in probably yeah for individual careers or in better situations there's no there's no one right way to build the stuff i just i i do feel like though that the in particular, the Hornets are not really in a position to pass up talent for fit. Yeah. That's my that's my personal view on it. But I'm also people people who are making these decisions get paid a lot more money than I do. So, yeah. okay, well, Sean, I think that's everything. Uh, we kept you a little bit longer than we said we would. But it's all good, man. We appreciate your time. Yeah, um, yeah. We will uh, hopefully link up after draft time, and we can uh, come back and have a little bit of talk and see how things play out. Totally. All right. Thanks a lot for coming on. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>